Selfishness is a total disregard for others. Benjamin Franklin said, a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small bundle. Ooh. Yeah, and he said the ooh at the end. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. I like that. But yeah, it's really true. We don't want to be with a selfish person. I don't. I love being with kind, generous. How selfish of you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no. Are you selfish or not? <laughs> my buddy, my buddy, my buddy. Mark, can you please finish it? My buddy and me, we like to climb up a tree. We're the best friends that can be. Is that it? <laughs> My buddy and me. Yeah, and then all that stuff. Yeah. Mark, you strike Is me. that the wherever I go, he goes? Mark, what yeah. do you strike? Yeah. Mark, what do you strike Officer, easy? you're too young to remember that. No, I remember him. <laughs> Mark, why do you strike me as the kind of guy who would have actually had a My Buddy I want to see Mark strike you. I didn't have any toys growing up. (laughs) Thanks for reminding me. My best friend was imaginary. (laughs) Well, you did believe in Santa until you were uh, in high school? Senior in high school. Might I remind you? You believed in Santa in high school? Senior. Really? Stop it. Your your house didn't have a chimney then. (laughs) Was there... Like, no doubts in your mind there was a Santa all the way through high school? No, I I had a couple doubts in seventh grade, and then uh, I mentioned it, I think, my sophomore year in high school. To my grandma. Oh, I heard you mention a, your marriage speech. <laughs> yeah, my marriage speech. But my grandma said, no, there is. And I didn't think my grandma was going to lie to me. Were you yeah. devastated, Mark? How did you I, find I out? I was, actually. How did you devastated. find out? Tell me. It is, right? I mean, you, you I, I went up to my mom on Christmas Eve, my senior year. Senior year. Oh. Yeah. Stop. This. Isn't that crazy? It's <laughs> embarrassing. Well, we didn't, we didn't really have uh, television. And I, you by had that time, older brothers. They didn't hang out with me. <laughs> they didn't talk to me. And so, I, I, bear in mind, I went to 14 different schools growing up. And so I didn't have like a lot of friends, I guess, that at this time oh, I began to talk now. about it. People that go to 14 schools believe in Santa. I get it. <laughs> well, I think That's there was the a time where people just yeah. stopped talking about it. Right? Okay. And so my mom, I asked my mom, hey, mom, do you, do you think maybe I can uh, help you put the presents under the tree this year? And I just kind of threw that out there. Because you her. thought maybe. Because I thought maybe. Ah, it was like a little yeah. uh, And it was like sneaky. the previous year. I said, Mom, you and Santa have the same writing. I thought, well, <laughs> he has helper. I kid you not. And so she's all, uh, yeah, just wait just wait till uh, the young ones go down. So she was busted and her growing, and gray, her growing a gray beard. And I, was it, I turned around and just went. <laughs> That's it? You didn't I say anything to her, humanity. Mark? No, I never said nothing to wow. my mom. Mark, you know Santa's real, right? What? He <laughs> <laughs> wants it so bad. There goes Wheezy. But Mark, yeah, you would strike me as a guy who would have had a My Buddy doll. Did you have a My Buddy doll, Oscar? I did not, because also I, I, was, I had a stick. <laughs> <laughs> they were really small, like the, the size of Ray. Uh, so it's like a lot of people. You know what? My, my, my Buddy would have scared me as a kid. It's like a Chucky doll. I don't think anybody actually I did have a, I had a scary clown. Did you? I did. I don't know where I got it from, but my mom would tell you that I had this, like, I can remember it. It had like this, it was a stuffed clown with this red, nappy, curly hair. And it looked, now that I look back on it, it looked evil. And my mom tells me that I used to like buckle it into the back seat, So she would be driving and she'd look in the rearview mirror and this clown <laughs> would be staring what at What is her. it about clowns though? Seriously. If there's anything kids are terrified of. It's clowns. You know, the whole It movie or yeah. whatever. What is it? Were you afraid of clowns or Absolutely guacamole not. or anything it's like that? It's just the horror movies that made them evil. 
Did I tell you that I used to have a clown for a roommate? No. Real life. Stop. Okay, so I'm not, this is not a joke. <laughs> I, so, do a po- I do a podcast for three. I, have, <laughs> I had a cousin who was petrified. I mean, petrified of clowns. And I had a roommate that was like, his side job was to be a clown for kids events, right? Like at birthdays and yeah, stuff Yeah, like so that. we're downstairs in my living room. And the way that my apartment was at that time is that if you were staring at the TV, there was like stairs right next to it, which would led up to the rooms. And so me and my cousin are watching TV and my roommate turns the corner and walks down in full clown getup <laughs> with the shoes and the and like the makeup and the wig and everything. And I'm and I don't think anything of it because he's my roommate. I'm used to it, right? And so I'm like, "Hey, Miguel," and he's like, "Hey, see ya." And he walks out the door. <laughs> and as he walks out the door, I look over at my cousin, and he's like, "Eyes <laughs> sweating." And I was oh, like, "What's great. wrong with you?" He thought it was hallucinating. Ah, all right, that's creepy. <laughs> ah, Ray that was my roommate. A, that's like Ray's like showing us a picture of a clown that. It's just old. That's like a demented Ronald McDonald. <laughs> Where did McDonald's that come out? Looks, looks like my clown. Yeah, for their mascot. Um, but did did you guys, as kids, did you guys have anything? Not necessarily like a clown, but anything you encountered that terrified you and that like stuck with you? I actually, like, my daughter married an Arab. <laughs> <laughs> Still not over that fear, right? I'll never forget the time that I exper- I felt fear. Like for the first time where it affected me physically as a kid. Mark's face. Um, yeah, it was Mark's face. Uh, I was uh, in, in my, sitting in my living room. This is when we lived in Westminster. You guys know when we moved from Westminster, my family all chipped in. We bought a fourplex apartment building. So this is one of those long stories. Yeah, very long. <laughs> so we're sitting, we're sitting inside the apartment and we had a little courtyard. And I'm looking at, you know, on the bike, there's that thing that the chain goes around. The, yeah, spoke. Yeah. I'm looking at that thing and it was chrome so it was and the light was hitting it so it was shining. And all of a sudden it got covered up like and, and like I kind of predicted it. I felt like it was going to happen. It was weird. And so it gets covered up and then I hear footsteps. So we go, "Wait, someone's outside." So we get up, me, my dad, my grandma. My grandma was buff. <laughs> by the way by the way my grandma was buff so we we leave we go out of the apartment the little courtyard we turn the corner we go down this little alleyway so it's my dad in front my like 80 year old dad in the front no he's probably 70 something my, my, my grandma my buff grandma behind him and then me behind her and they walk and there's these two bushes and as i'm walking i look to my left hand side and i see this guy plastered against the wall he was like, he looked like a little leprechaun, shaggy beard, and his eyes were wide like this. And he was just like pinned against the wall like this. And he was like, do you think you could piss in? And like, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be my son-in-law one day. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. I was threatening Mark when he said a little leprechaun. I was saying, don't you dare. And it came out of Oscar's mouth. That was good. That was good. Shame. And I'm telling you guys. That is the first time I this like hot flash came over me. My heart sunk, and I like, you know, in a dream where you feel paralyzed, like you can't talk. And I'm like, ah, ah. I go, there he is, there he is, you know. And my dad, and my grandma turned around, and he just walked out, turned the corner, and we heard a gate slammed. He went into a, a courtyard, and well, a, was a it like some guy, just some random guy? I don't know. I have no idea. He went into the wrong place. He was trying to steal the bike. It was crazy. Now listen, I, I was I'm tormented of when guys. I was uh, a little boy. 1976. I watched a movie called. Logan's Run. Seventy-six. I would have been one. I saw it at the drive-in movie theater with my uh, both my aunts, and 
Bu- they buff? I had so, <laughs> so many nightmares from, I have no idea what it was about. I still yeah. don't. Yeah. But it scared me to death and I had so many nightmares. Yeah, I know what you're saying. My dad, when I was about six or seven, took me to the movies one afternoon when he had nothing to do and it was a horror movie. Well, not a horror murder movie where someone got strangled to death and that always haunted me. And then it was just someone hung themselves. My dad used to take me to movies. <laughs> someone hung themselves, and I remember seeing that rope swing with the shadow of it on the wall. That ah, the creeps through as a kid. The movies I saw as a kid, yeah. I used to watch. You guys remember Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? I've heard of her, yeah. Movie macabre. It was oh, horrible. I got you guys beat. Yeah, she, was so, she was buff. <laughs> one, one, time, one time my mom and the guy that she was with was visiting his friend who was a tattoo artist and they all wanted to hang out. It was getting close to bedtime and they were like, you know, we got to put a movie on for Oscar. And the only movie he had on was Hellraiser. No. And I was like eight or nine years old. And so I have a memory of me laying in bed watching Hellraiser because that was the movie they had for me. So that's a really bad violent movie, is it? Uh, I don't remember much of it, but it's the guy with all the spikes in his head. Oh, it's okay. like a famous oh, yeah. 80s horror movie. With the, with the, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I actually don't think I've ever seen a horror movie. I've seen some thrillers, but I've never seen No, I grew up on a man. Nightmare on Elm Street and um, Friday the 13th. And, oh, too bad it wasn't like Bambi Back in the Color Tomato. Bambi the music. <laughs> Bambi versus Godzilla. <laughs> That's good. All right, guys. Today we're talking about how to break free from selfishness. But before that... Nick Rivera said this. Nikki, oh no, sorry, Nikki Rivera said this. Though my husband and I have been believers for many years, we've been in churches that never taught repentance. When I started watching the Living Waters YouTube channel for the first time, I felt the heavy weight of my sin and experienced true repentance. Thank you for your podcast and ministry. Thank you for leading us right to the glory and wrath of God so we could see ourselves as he saw us, repent and fully know what it means to follow Christ. Our eternal lives and earthly marriage and family have been transformed for the glory of God. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Oh, can't get enough of these. Thank you. Nikki, sorry for calling you Nick. This program is brought to you by What Would Jesus Do? A call to return to the biblical gospel and the evidence Bible. Don't forget that. Ray, do you remember that book? What yes, I do. Do, do what, you know who what, wrote it? What What did Jesus do? As what opposed to what would Jesus do, which leaves it open to, oh, Jesus would never stop someone having a choice when it comes to pregnancy. Right. You can make up what Jesus, what you think Jesus would have done. But if you confine yourself to what did Jesus do, you're safe, safe in Scripture. Amen. Check it out, friends, at livingwaters.com. All right, selfishness, something that you... I want to go first. Me, no, let me, me go first. Me, I'll go first. Me, 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 me. Did you guys hear that? Oh, you've reminded me of the, what, the seagulls in that movie... Um, mine, mine. <laughs> Mine, 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 mine. mine. <laughs> what was the, what was the Nemo? movie? Finding Nemo? My Finding yeah, Nemo, Finding yeah. I don't, normally en- I don't normally enjoy cartoons, but that was a great movie. That one and Up. Oh, up, up, oh, up made me cry my eyes. Inside Out, too. That's such yeah. a good movie. Someone told me to see Up because it was a great movie, and the first Earth five movie. minutes... Earth told yeah, us. I didn't want to blame him. Um, the, first, <laughs> <laughs> the first five minutes, I was bawling my eyes out because it really summed up the futility of life. Yeah. It was just horrific. Oh, that was, I'm getting the chills thinking about it right now. But yeah, um, you guys are selfish, so I'll. (laughs) (laughs) We live in a, uh, we live in a culture that celebrates selfishness. It almost celebrates it to the point where it sounds like a parody. I mean, listen to this line that I pulled from a CNN article by one of the regular contributors named Jessica Wakeman. This is, I'm not making this up. This is exactly what it says. Women should be allowed to care about pleasing ourselves. 
and only ourselves without being judged. What is wrong with women being selfish? Really, think about it for a second. Why shouldn't we be selfish if it means we're meeting our own needs and taking care of ourselves? What's wrong with caring more about bringing pleasure to your own life than anything else? It should not be as controversial as it apparently is for women to think of themselves first if they are not hurting anyone. Reasonable people agree a woman should make herself happy. But why do these people suddenly become so unreasonable when those women say it would make her happier just to focus on herself? And the thing about this little quote in this article on CNN is that it's not an anomaly. This is normal. It, it, we, we live in a culture where selfishness is celebrated and advocated, where selfishness is the route to pleasure and happiness in this life. And yet we also live in a world where anxiety and depression are skyrocketing. So something obviously isn't working with this man-made way of pursuing happiness. You know, Oscar, as you read that, what flashed before my mind were images of those women that end up drowning their kids mm. or you know d- d- letting their car fly off a thing and and sink in the ocean women that abandon their children and go off and find another partner right i mean isn't that the philosophy that leads to that yeah how do you how do you say that's wrong if this is what you buy into? i have a right to be happy i have a right to be, i'm tired of having to look after these kids and this house and this husband i i want to pursue my own things and that's what it leads to and it's women and men right because yeah. oh, men sure. do the exact same thing <laughs> i was gonna say we, we better slide <laughs> to the other women. side <laughs> no but you know i i do have to say that it distinctly stands out to me when a woman abandons her children. It, I mean, again, it's wicked on both fronts, but something about you know, a woman who, who carries this child, gives birth to them, is the primary nurturer right, on a day-to-day basis as she's nursing them and, and taking care of them when they're first born. A woman abandon her children is huge. And I think that when you see women in a culture beginning to go in that way or, or become or demonstrate their depravity in, in, in an extreme way, it's a sign that the culture's in trouble. And even worse, when people drop trash from their cars. Oh, no. <laughs> did something happen, Ray? <laughs> no, I, I'm just, I, it makes me furious when I see on the side of the road someone's eaten fast food and all the trash has been dropped outside their car because they don't want to make their car messy and they yeah. just leave it. Those are and, the moments I wish I was a cop. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's an alleyway next to our ministry. I'm always going over there and sweeping up. In the weekend, people have sat there eating their junk food and Sorry left the junk. Yeah, just don't let happen again. Oscar. So that that's that's a bit of a pet peeve, and it just really epitomizes selfishness. I don't care about this country. I don't care about the city. I don't care about anyone else. I'm just leaving my trash here. Yeah, you know, I was actually surprised when I was in Israel how much uh, litter was on the ground. Wasn't that? Oh, during you weren't the trash there. Drop? You weren't there when Ray and I were there. <laughs> Ray and I were there when there was a trash strike, oh. like a full trash strike. It'd be strike. gone for about two weeks or something. Oh, I'm talking, ma- you know, old Jerusalem, you go through the city, through the inside the walls, and it's like tight garbage piled high, you know, above the doors. Oh, but there's so. something more fantastic than that. It's someone who films that whole thing. 26 hours 26 of hours of footage. He's trash. filming the trash. I said, you've got the trash strike. Now stop filming. You filmed everything. This was eat. before phones were combined with cameras. So I had a camera stuck to my <laughs> eye. <laughs> What's happened? We have never even looked at that footage. Have we? It's like Eiffel. Uh, no, we used a little bit of it. Oh, that's when, you, we use it for that's when I made five? you shave your mustache. You made me shave my nuts. <laughs> Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean. Oh, that was awful. Yeah, some ladies in the hotel thought Ray was Mr. Bean without his mustache. Ray, you've been mistaken uh, as Sonny Bono. 
Albert Einstein, <laughs> Mr. Bean. What's the other uh, guy? Joel Osteen. The cool, oh, Dos Equis. Yes, the cool oh, guy. You can revel in that. Dos Equis was the cool guy. Yes. And Bambi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but guys, selfishness, man, it's ugly. And, and, and let me just say that I thank God for the moments when I'm disgusted by my selfishness. I mean, obviously, we all know we're selfish. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, we sense our, <laughs> we sense our selfishness uh, on occasion. But there are those distinct times, at least for me, when I do something or say something or feel something, and I realize, wow, I am a really wicked person, and I'm disgusted by my own selfishness. I'm sure you guys can't relate. I can. Yeah. Tell me about it, Ray. I just, I don't like the way I want my own way so often because, you know, one thing that's really helped me when it comes to pushing my own way is that stupid IQ tests like spell the word shop, what do you do when you come to a green light? Uh, when I realize how susceptible I am to making mistakes mm. and how I can be so assured that I'm right about something and a few minutes later my wife says something, oh, I was wrong, didn't see that other perspective and it just makes me realize my own selfishness. Yeah. Selfishness is one of those things, I think, that, it is, is almost forever with us. It's something that's constantly dying, these small little deaths that happen through our sanctifying process, but the Lord continues to reveal to us. It's like, it's like there's always some dark corner of our heart that tends to percolate its way out into life. Percolate. Uh, I know where you're going with this. Oh, no. no. Oh. Please, no. Am I talking about coffee? No, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but but it, it ends up coming into our lives in these random moments. It just, re- it's, it's, but it's also an act of grace that God reveals those areas of our lives to us, yeah. right? That he puts people in our lives, that he puts situations in our lives uh, and that it reveals those selfish tendencies because then it's an opportunity for us to repent and put those areas of our heart to death. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Mark, isn't it a shame that selfishness looks a lot worse on others than it does on ourselves? Like we see it when others are are demonstrating it, but we tend to miss it in us. Yeah, we're quick to see it in other people and not so quick to see it in ourselves. You know, we each have our favorite word in the English language or any language for that matter, and it's our name. Right. Our name is our favorite <laughs> word. And the only time we stop to use our name is we hope that somebody else will use our name, you know? Yeah. We love to hear our name on somebody else's lips. There's no greater thing that'll make our ears uh, perk up. You know, scripture says, uh, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves and do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
And that goes right up against what we want. And we are idolatrous of ourselves. If Mm -hmm. we could build an idol of ourselves, we would. And I think what we see in a lot of different people's mansions, if you would, is a big old picture painting of themselves. And I've seen it time and time again when you get uh, tours of celebrities' houses, like right over the mantle. It's not over the family. Right. It's of themselves, whoever the breadwinner is. Yeah. Ray, do you have that oil painting of yourself still? <laughs> yeah, I have my T-shirt of myself, the picture of myself. Is it selfish to eat shellfish? I just thought I'd throw that out. Hey, Ray, actually, Ray, I did have a question on that. When you were doing portraits, did you ever do one of yourself? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some people thought it was Spurgeon. Well, our (laughs) listeners probably don't realize that for a while, Ray got into, that would be considered chalk chalk style drawing, right? What what, what is that? No, I did use paint. You did use paint. paint. Yeah, but I wasn't very good. What do you mean you weren't good? They were the judges of that. You were excellent. You blew all of our minds. Stop being unselfish. You know know who's really good, though? Your sister, Christine. Yeah, she's really good. Rachel and I talk about it all the time. I mean, she is like, yeah, she's high-grade professional quality artist. Uh, But Ray, when you look at photographs, group photographs, do you look for yourself first? I usually can't see myself. <laughs> <laughs> Neither can anyone else. <laughs> no, but if I do that, I mean, to, to really, no, wow, no, God, Ma, Ma, did you hear that? I did. I'm having a mirror surgically implanted <laughs> into my head right in front of yes, my face. Yes, and the only reason you look into your wife's eyes is to see the reflection to of yourself. See my own reflection. Yes. Can I just go back and say, though, you, you were really good. That painting of Charles Dickens looked exactly like Winston Churchill. I didn't <laughs> do Charles Dickens oh, Oscar. My wife, uh, not too long ago, had posted a picture of us. We were on a little staycation. Yeah. And I said, babe, do anything odd stand out to you in this picture? It's just you and I. She says, uh, no. You couldn't see my eyes upwards. It was her <laughs> and my nose downwards Best inside the photo of her and I. I go, honey, you didn't look at me one time, did you? That's and she goes, oh, I'll take it down. I go, no, you don't have to take it down. I mean, uh, the main central figure is the one who's standing out. But yeah. that's the way we all are when oh, it comes to uh, pictures and photos. We are, and man. And, and, well, until I, you get to a certain age. Then you don't want to see pictures. You don't want to see pictures. <laughs> you must have been good looking when you were younger. Thank you. You had a great physique <laughs> when you were young too, Mark, didn't you? Hank used to be really intelligent, didn't you? Well, what happened? Yeah, yeah. I love what Walter Chantry said. He said, selfishness is the controlling force of sinful living. It is the motive which pulsates through the natural mind, emotions, and will, self-pleasing, self-serving, living for self. And it really is a manifestation of the depravity of man's heart. You know, when you, when you look at what would have been in the garden, you know, Adam's call to lead his wife, to love his wife, to serve his wife, you know, the second that sin entered, everything fell apart. Everything became self-centered. And when you think about it, that's the root of sin. Yes. Think about our arguments with our wives. I will. Which you guys have all the time. I will. <laughs> Think about what it is that drives them. Why it is we don't back down and yeah. stop. And I mean, if we love the Lord, we eventually do. But what, what is it that propels us? And it's always super important, the issue. Sue? Super important. <laughs> but it really is. It just seems like this mountain that you've got to talk about. And afterwards, you can't even remember what your argument was about. It's not important. Yeah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own, as the Amplify Bible says, selfish way. No, I added added that. (laughs) 
Uh, we but it is. Start... That's what the essence of sin is. It's going your own way. Kelly yeah. and I would stop arguing if she just treated me like the king of kings. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> yeah, right. Chantry, he went on to say this. He said, the roots of this depravity are quite evident in very young children. Babies may not show all the ugly outworkings of sin, but their selfishness is quite apparent. Any time of the day or night, they will howl when their little egos are annoyed. Brothers and sisters have noticed how small children are self-seeking. When treats are being given, a me-first attitude prevails. Small children want the chief attention. It is all self-serving. This all-demanding self-will matures into that of a grasping adult. Though clever devices will make the selfishness polite and genteel, all of life outside of Christ is for one thing, self. Self is the idol to which all men naturally bow. Hey guys, you've got to film this. I want to burst into a kindergarten with one ice cream cone and give it to a kid up the front and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is funny that we tend to make excuses for kids too. Like we don't want to recognize the depravity in children. You know, you'll hear people be like, oh, she's feisty. Or you'll get a little kid who, you know, th- th- he'll be acting up and the parents will be like, oh, he's just, he's just so expressive. And you're like, lady, I think your kid's a brat. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's tired as the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's just he's tired. So we make tired today. For so weak of hearing him. Yeah. But Ray, uh, we may have touched on this before, but you saw the selfishness of kids when you had your little, was it Happy Club or what was it called? Remind me of how I saw the selfishness of kids. <laughs> that, was it called Happy Club? No, no it was called up. a Good Time Club. A Good Time Club. Remember when you give out the candy? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a different Good Time Club than what I was thinking. I had three going at once, but one in particular where I lined the kids up. There was 100 kids in the club. I used to have a ventriloquist doll, and I was terrible, but the Charlie. kids... Charlie. And, and, uh, <laughs> and we'd sing songs <laughs> and that, and i said, okay, kids, time for candy, because I used to get candy from... Uh, companies, I'd call them up and say, I'm a Christian pastor, I've got these kids' clubs, and they give me free candy. So I'd get stacks of candy, loved it. Mm. And I said, okay, kids, line up. And 100 kids lined up, and I stood back and looked at it, and I thought, that's a line of greed if I ever saw it. So I took great delight in threatening the kids and saying, stay where you are. If anybody moves out of line, they're not getting any candy, turn about face 180 degrees. And I took, I took great delight in going to the meat quiet, sickly kids and giving them a candy first, much to the disgust of the fat brats at the back. Well, I shouldn't say fat brats at the back. The big boys at the back who were the bullies that were at the front. And that's exactly what God did with the kingdom of God. He took the the candy of everlasting life to the meek and the humble. He went to them first. The last shall be first. Did you do that multiple times or was that like a one time? Mark and I did it. We used to, do you remember the Antichrist used to come to our club? (laughs) Well, we had a camera outside of the ministry, the other building. And, uh, oh, that's right. We'd go out there on Fridays, and Ray would hand out candy to yeah. people after the school. The kids. The kids. And then Ray goes, here, watch this. And we set up a camera, put out a bowl of the candy, and allow the kids just to take one. And you put a sign. Yeah, just take one. Just take one. One big kid just came <laughs> along and took the whole bag He was the candy. Antichrist. He earned the he title. He used to come regularly. Earned the title Antichrist. For- yeah, we said that kid is the Antichrist of sure. He was such a brat. Uh, yeah. So what, what is what is the cure to selfish? Yeah, that's exactly is it what humility. I was ask for. No, it's love. Well, that, I was going to say that you know, First Corinthians thirteen, which describes love. One of the key descriptions of it is that love does not seek its own, mm-hmm. and when love is being manifested, it demonstrates itself in self forgetfulness, you know, and putting others' needs before our own, and desiring to give ourselves away for the sake of others. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. And it's the key to every relationship. You treat others as you'd like to be treated, then you'll have a friend for life. 
because yeah. you're not selfish. You're thinking of them before you're thinking of yourself. And same with marriage, how to make a marriage work, how to advance within a, within a company. You become a servant. People are going to notice you and, and promote you. Yeah. Love you know, is all you need. You, hear, you heard it here first. Mm-hmm. You know, Scripture says, uh, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I don't. But rather think of yourself <laughs> with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. And I remember doing an interview with a well-known apologist on television one time. What was his name? And um, I, I called him out on how prideful he was after we had recorded. I was going to say on television. And he said, there's nothing wrong with thinking highly of yourself. Scripture says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. <laughs> oh, stop. And I was taken back. He really said that? I, oh, yeah. No, no sign of humility, of backing no, down, of... Wow. wow. I think he got Ray, why did you do that on TV with Mark? <laughs> <laughs> it was not Ray Comfort. No, it wasn't. I was um, 19 years old at the time. You have to, I think everyone would want to be a little less selfish. <laughs> a little <laughs> selfless. Like a prawn fish. or a lobster. <laughs> and we have all of these quick statements, these platitudes, these ways of becoming slightly less selfish. But I think the only way to truly become less selfish is through the gospel. And Mark 10, I think, offers us a gospel response to selfishness where it says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm -hmm. The one who is telling me to give up my life gave up his life yeah. for me. Good. Why? As a ransom payment, he gave up his life to pay for every selfish ambition that I have ever had or will have. He gave up his life for all of those dark corners of my heart that, I, that have yet to be revealed for me. He gave up his life as a ransom so that I could have freedom from sin, freedom from selfishness, so that when the Lord reveals those areas of my life, I have the freedom and the power through Christ to repent and put those things to death so that I could become more like my Savior who came to serve. I can then start serving others. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark cited Philippians 2 earlier and the real important part of that whole chapter is where he says, after he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit and loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. He goes on to say, he goes on to say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, mm -hmm. coming in the likeness of men. And that really is the epitome of selflessness. It's servanthood. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the determination to say, hey, this doesn't feel comfortable per se. This isn't something that I feel like doing. It's not something that would be beneficial to me on, in a uh, physical sense, but I want to bless other people. And so I'm going to give my life away. And you're right, Oscar. It was ultimately demonstrated in what Jesus did. Selfishness is a total disregard for others. Benjamin Franklin said, the man wrapped up in himself makes a very small bundle. Ooh. Yeah, and he said the ooh at the end. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, it's really true. We don't want to be with a selfish person. I don't. I love being with kind, generous. How selfish of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no. Are you selfish or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's so true. And you know, I, I want to ask this, uh, Oscar. You, you're 
Huh? If you want to do it, do it. Huh? Do, do it. it. Don't hey. tell us what you want to do. Do it. Get it done right now. Oscar, out of all of us here, you're the only one that has kids that are a lot younger still. How old's your youngest? Eight. Okay. About to be Levi? Uh, no, he's going to be 11 in a month. Oh. My daughter, Evangeline. Oh, Evangeline, of course. Okay, so... Um, People could get saved with your kids' names. <laughs> that, was the, that was the idea. So for, for people that are listening now, parents especially who have younger kids, because it, it, it really, in terms of discipleship in the lives of our children, it's wisest to start when they're young. I mean, it's appropriate and right. What do parents do to help keep their kids from becoming selfish monsters? That's a great question. I would actually, I'd love to hear what you guys would say because you're out of it and you see the fruits of your labor. But speaking for us, anytime when it comes to parenting, the, the temptation is I think always a quick fix. We are frustrated throughout the day, we are busy. And when our kids are doing something selfish to frustrate another person or whatever the case, we attack the behavior because we just want it to be done with. Go to your room, stop it, knock it off. But I think the most important thing is, is to realize that those moments, anytime you catch your kids in sin, whether it's self-ambition, a lie or anything else, it is an opportunity for the gospel to come forward and for discipleship to happen. And we've talked about before, discipleship is a slow, intentional process. So to be able to slow down in those moments and to help them realize that what they're doing is in fact selfish that, I mean, they, they, our kids love the Lord. Mm. They love Christ and they truly want to be more like Christ. And so to point out their selfish behavior, uh, we often remind them that the first will be last and the last will be first. And to be able to practice that daily, to, to realize here's the thing that's, that's true. I have found to be true about selfishness, which is my joy is linked to when I am more selfless. Mm. When I am serving others, I get a greater amount of joy than when I am being served. And I think my kids know that and have experienced that themselves. But like all kids, like all of us adults, we forget it in the moment. And so to patiently remind children of that is really valuable. But I'd love to hear from you guys. I mean, you guys have... I admire your relationships with your kids. I love spending time with all all of you guys' kids. I'd love to hear what, what, what you guys did in those moments. My kids were without sin. Oh, perfect. <laughs> no savior needed over there in the comfort house. Yeah. I married one of them. She is sinless. You know, I mean, it, it's the rising up and it's the sitting down. It's a continual. I mean, I, I think that our kids should know that we are the biggest sinners in the house. You know, Todd Friel had made that comment and you allow that to stick in. It's not so much the fact that we're always sinning, but they always hear us confessing and repenting. That's good that we are modeling what a Christian is for our children. The Bible commands us to not do anything from selfishness or empty conceit. Impossible. I mean, Mm -hmm. it really is impossible unless your eyes are on the Lord, you know, through prayer and meditation of God's word, continually praying in God's word and sharing God's word. You know, as we were heading towards the beach on Saturday, I was with a couple of my kids. We were going down there, and my son had uh, open air preached for the first time uh, this past Saturday. Really? And uh, I was just so so proud of him as as he got up there to share. And people were a little surprised. Some were surprised to hear that it was his first time. Who was that? Uh, Ethan. Wow. Uh, Ethan had uh, open air preached, and we had a we had ga- we caught it on camera, and we posted on uh, uh, our little personal social media pages. But I remember just standing there watching him preach. And I'm like trying to hold back the tears, Mm -hmm. you know, because his message was thorough. His heart was right. 
and he was connecting with the people. Yeah. He was fluctuating his voice. He was uh, loud enough for the people in the back to be able to hear. Uh, was it an absolute perfect message? I'm sure it wasn't, but for me, it absolutely was. <laughs> and Ray, yeah. you've often said that the hardest time is your second time, Yeah. right? Yeah. So wasting no time, Andrew Rappaport, our buddy, about an hour later said, hey, uh, Ethan, come here, stand up on here, go. <laughs> and he did. He got up there and he preached oh, so again. He, did, he went twice in the same day. So he went twice oh, in the, in the great, same day. Right? Yeah. And he, I, I can't say that he loved it, but uh, he had no complaints with it. Yeah, and he did great. I he, the he knows his calling to to reach the lost by all means. And I'll tell you, it was a real, a real proud papa uh, moment, you know, seeing him do that. But you know, Mark, on that note, in connection with what you're saying, I mean, he saw your example hmm. in that regard. Uh, he he watched you do it, just like you and I saw Ray's example, right? Oscar would have seen our examples, you know, uh, over the years and others. True, and that's huge. And, and I would say, in answer to your question, Oscar, I think for us being mindful and intentional and modeling selflessness for our kids first toward them directly. It's hard for us as parents to be selfless with our own kids in, in, in a sense. I mean, we're selfless in that, of course, we, we go and work and provide for them and take care of them and raise them and all that. But, but I think when you do it in the practical ways, Hey guys, can I get you anything? You're heading over to the kitchen. Can I get you something to drink, something to eat? They're getting ready to do a chore to take out the trash. You see them, they're busy doing it. Hey, let me take the trash out for you. Those sound like little things. Those are massive by way of example for children. So kids, can I get you some lotion to massage my feet? (laughs) 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 Disgusting. Too much information, Mark. Yeah. Ray, what about you? You're so selfish <laughs> that I can't imagine you modeling selflessness for your kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't want to talk about myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ray the psalmist no said, uh, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. You know, love covers a multitude of sins, including selfishness. If we're truly devoted to one another in brotherly love, we cannot be selfish. And finally, you know, having the attitude of Christ is to demonstrate tenderness and compassion for all those we come in contact with. It is a continual abiding in the vine, realizing that we walk with Christ from a moment by moment basis. Hey, have you guys ever noticed that when your eyes are on the Lord, when you're fellowshipping, that trials, they're really not that big of a deal. Hmm. And then you see somebody kind of go through a trial and you're thinking, man, they just need the Lord. Your first response obviously is you need to get in the word, you need to pray, you need to draw near to God, and these things will all begin to make sense in light of all that is happening. And what is happening? Christ is ruling and reigning on his throne. Hmm. So when your eyes are on the Lord, it doesn't matter what's happening outside, right? Yeah. I have an example of Ray being selfless. I think I think you exemplify that all the time. I mean, whenever somebody's out here eating a meal, Ray is like the first one to get up and clean up other people's plates. Take I mean, plate. he's the, the you know, the founder of the ministry, probably the busiest one here. And when we have guests, he's always serving other people. Or I love how when there's little kids, Ray goes out of his way to make sure they're enjoying their time here. That's yeah. like selfless behavior. Or one of my favorite things you've ever done is after this podcast, give me $100 for saying all that stuff. I mean, that is probably the most selfless. <laughs> well, he loves the kids because he sees eye to eye. That's it. And the, and the other thing is I like cleaning up because they get the leftovers. I was going to say, Oscar, what you don't see is how he goes around the corner and picks everything <laughs> off the plates. <laughs> hey, guys, can you think of any examples of selfishness in Scripture? Selfishness? Yeah. 
Because I've got a little list here, and I think it's really interesting. Cain, and my my brother's keeper, Mm -hmm. just the epitome of selfishness and killing him. Ahab, I want Naboth's vineyard. He just cried like a little brat, little baby. um, David? David, yeah, you saw my notes. David, (laughs) wanting his neighbor's wife. And James and John, you know, I want to sit next to you on the throne. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. That's good. Yeah, they're not original. I found them online. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we have to remember... Oh, the older brother, the prodigal son. Didn't oh, I send you a meme yeah. the other day? What was that one about the prodigal son? Who was upset? Oh, yeah. Yeah, who was upset <laughs> when the father wanted to celebrate and the kid answered the fatted calf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we have to, again, remember what Scripture says about the root of selfishness. This is, this is actually a bit painful. And it's James 3, 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. And he says this, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Mm -hmm. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Whew, demonic. That's really the root to selfishness. It's, it's a demonic thing. And that always is the outcome. It's always that confusion and every evil thing that, that springs up from it. You know, when you see these, the, these teenagers that are out punching elderly people on the streets mm. and, and, and robbing them, you know, uh, it just, it kills me. But what's, what's the heart behind that? It's selfishness, yeah. you know? So yeah, we look to Christ we turn to him as, as our everything and we make sure that we follow in his example. I'll close with this quote by Paul Tripp. The biggest protection against the kingdom of self is not a set of self-reformative defensive strategies. It's a heart that's so blown away by the right here, right now glories of the grace of Jesus Christ that you're not easily seduced by the lesser temporary glories of that claustrophobic kingdom of one the kingdom of self. <laughs> Man, this guy's got zingers. Seriously, trip. But yeah, it, it's becoming enamored with the Lord and everything else fades and he becomes prime. So, you know, it's funny how much uh, Christ is just this solution answer for where everything you'll ever go through. Mm. So weird. Amen. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> All right, friends, there you have it. Another one for the history books. And remember to check out Ray's lovely book, What Did Jesus Do? Jesus Acted Selflessly. And Ray, I love the subtitle, A Call to Return to the Biblical Gospel. I love it how everything does come back to the gospel. Everything flows from it. And so make sure to check that out, friends, along with the Evidence Bible at livingwaters.com. And please make sure to give us that rating, comments, subscribe. Oscar, it helps when people subscribe to the podcast. What's that do? It does. It means whenever we release a new one, it automatically downloads onto your phone, supposedly, allegedly. But also it helps keep it in a uh, SEO. It helps with the SEO quite a bit, which means others who have not yet heard about the podcast, possibly non-believers, because we have quite a bit of people listening and this is their first time interacting with all things Living Waters. And, and so by you uh, subscribing and listening, you make it more possible that non-believers can hear the gospel. And we love that idea. Amen. And let me give you an aha moment, friends. 
why not tell a friend about the podcast? I mean, you've been blessed, encouraged, maybe it never even entered your mind to say, hey, I want to tell other people about it. Send out an email to all your close friends or, you know, hit them up on social media. Tell them, check out the Living Waters podcast. If you do that right now, Mark, what will you give them? Big old Klondike bar. Brand new car. (laughs) There you go, guys. You heard it here. Thank you, Oprah. All right, friends. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.